Hey guys, welcome to today's show. I am so excited to have you guys here because we have a very special guest with us today. Today I have Miss Stephanie Zamora. She is a life coach, author of the book Unraveled, and she also hosts the podcast Tales from the Journey. Today she is here to talk to us about how she helps people to find their purpose by taking them through a four-step process where they process through old emotions and she teaches them that after tragedy, after things have happened in your life, when you're at your lowest point, you can rebuild your life. You can pull yourself back up to the top again. And she talks to us about all of the things that have happened on her own journey and explains to us how she uses what has happened to herself and her journey to help others heal. So I'm super excited to talk to her today. Before we jump into the heart of today's show, I want to remind everyone that for the month of May, you can join my new monthly membership, Awaken Your Magic, for just $10. You can try it out. You can join us. We have a live masterclass each month. So if you're looking for a group of people to inspire you, to motivate you, to help keep you moving in the right direction, to help you grow spiritually, look no further. This is the group for you. Every month, there's a live masterclass on topics like breaking free from fear surrounding money so that you can call in more money, more abundance increasing self-confidence so that you can experience more in all areas of your life, relationships, experiences, everything. You can call in new, more, better because you will have increased self-confidence. And there's so much more in this month. We're tackling the topic of processing emotions and healing from past emotions in a healthy way. Also, each month we do a live group card reading, so you can come and we can tackle any area of your life that you would like to get more clarity on. I will pull cards for you and get you the guidance that you need, and throughout the week I post positive affirmations, tappings, journal prompts, and other tools that you can use to just help you live your absolute best life, and the best part is... We have so much fun. So please consider joining us again for the month of May only. You can pay just $10 to join us and see what it's all about. You can cancel it at any time. And like I said, we are having a blast. So please consider joining us. So delighted to have you here. So uh, I always like to just ask our guests to kind of introduce us to who you are and how you got started doing what you do and Tell us a little bit about what it is exactly that you do to help others. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So my journey has been very organic and my work has followed kind of everything I've been through in life. I talk a lot about life shaping us and life has certainly shaped me. My background was actually in graphic design. And when I first started my work in the world, my business, I was a designer, but went through a quarter life crisis and started questioning at a very young age. Is this all there is to life? Is this really who I'm here to be, which more power to people who are here to be designers, if that's your calling. But for me, it always felt like a tool to do something more in the world. And so I just went on this deep personal growth journey. I discovered the world of coaches and programs and personal development and really started writing about the quarter life crisis and finding our passion and who we're really here to be. And that just built my personal development business very organically. And as people started uncovering their passions through our work together, they wanted to start businesses. And I had done that a few times. And so I started business coaching and all the while still doing design work. And 2014, my business was booming. I was in a great place. I felt like I knew who I was and what I was here to do. And I was serving people and I had an amazing team and I was making great money. The only thing that wasn't working in my life was my relationship. And so I ended a two-year relationship with a kind man that I love that just wasn't right for me. And he started stalking me. And when I asked him to leave me alone, he ended up committing suicide. And that just flattened everything about me and my life and my work. I had intense PTSD, really bad PTSD. I couldn't tell you what I did yesterday, let alone put my own life story in order. I would drive in circles around my house because in the time it took to go home, I would forget that that's what I was doing. Like in the time I lapped the block and because of that PTSD, my business died a slow death. 
I couldn't keep clients. If you came to me and you were like, I want to give you money just in telling you how to pay me, I would energetically just push you away because I wasn't, I wasn't there anymore. I was just so broken. And the PTSD led me into an abusive relationship and all of that combined caused really intense, severe health issues. I had bad panic attacks and anxiety, which I had never had before. I had really bad back and hip pain from the trauma and the abuse and adrenal fatigue. And then I developed dysphagia, which is where you actually stop swallowing. So for nine days, I couldn't swallow even my own saliva. I got one IV in the middle of that and was just forced to go on a very deep, challenging, like gutting health and healing journey got out of the relationship and, you know, went through more things. I ended up filing bankruptcy from all the struggle, but in doing the deeper healing work, I really started to understand what does it actually take to rise up and come back? I really, before going through all this myself, believed that the fall was the hard part, like hitting rock bottom is the hard part, losing everything, cracking open. And that stuff is really hard but the really hard part is making the choice to rise up and come back. And it's this moment to moment, day-to-day choice to rise, which is really painful and disorienting, but went through that process myself and, and rebuilt my business and published a book about everything I'd been through and developed a whole new brand and body of work and conversation and podcast and program all around this idea of journey mapping and really rising up and coming back. And yeah, so journey mapping was born from that. It's a program that I run now. And like I said, I wrote my book and we have the podcast, but it's really anchored in some of the concepts from the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell, which for anyone listening who doesn't know, the hero's journey is a narrative pattern that you can find at the heart of every myth, every movie, every book, every story. And it consists of three main acts and 12 different stages. And When I realized that I was writing my book, my memoir, I started actually studying the hero's journey to get a sense of, well, how do I actually tell a story? Before writing that book, I had only written social media posts and blog posts, which are very different than a book, (laughs) let alone a memoir. And in studying the hero's journey while doing my own healing, I realized, wow, this is a really powerful personal development tool. It really helped me see where I was at in this journey for myself and create a map for myself and figure out, well, if this is where I am and this is everything I've been through and this is where I'm trying to go, what do I need to focus on next? And my work journey mapping is not the same as the hero's journey. It definitely incorporates aspects of it, but it also brings in everything else that I've learned about healing and growth and really, really is process oriented because these journeys we go on are very unique. I'm sure you've had plenty of rock bottom moments and everyone has uh, to different degrees and intensities and from different things that just leave us feeling turned upside down inside our own life. And the process is really meant to allow anyone to create that map for themselves to figure out who am I meant to become in the aftermath of this and how has this shaped me and my purpose in the world? Wow. Well, first of all, you have been through a lot and that's amazing, but I always feel like people who have to go through the most are here for that reason to teach others and to be a light for others and show them, you know, it doesn't have to always be this dark place that you can find your way out of it, even if it is a difficult thing in which I've been through. Yes. The dark night of the soul, all of that, and have had to do the same thing. And also have had to deal with suicide. So I understand the guilt there too. So that's a lot. That is a lot to handle. But I love that you've taken everything that you've gone through and you're turning it around and using it to help others see that you don't have to stay down there in the dark place and the trenches. You can you can climb out, you can find your way out and you can find your purpose again. And I'm really curious as to how you in particular use this this mapping that you've come up with to help others do that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how you do that? Yeah, so there's five stages to journey mapping. And the first stage is all about preparing for the journey. And this is so critical because when we're going through 
this deeper healing and growth work, if we don't have this foundation, we can't move through it in a way that is really productive for us because everyone around us has an opinion. They have their own fears, their own beliefs, their own hopes for what's going to happen. And they're still kind of in the before, like whatever we've gone through hasn't necessarily impacted them. It's very easy for others to derail us when they're really trying to help and support us. And so in this first stage, we really have to develop a relationship to ourselves and our intuition and whatever our version of source or God or the universe or the energy that is, or our higher self is like, we have to have these foundational pieces in place because you have to have a whole lot of self-trust self-awareness and discernment to really work through the deeper part of this process and be able to know what's right for you because you've changed so much. And so that first stage is all about laying the foundation and also having a relationship with our emotions, because if we're not able to feel our feelings, if we're scared to process things and really be with what is, then we can't, we can't do this work either. And so we really lay the foundation there. Phase two is looking at the ordinary world. And this is the idea of creating a point of reference. So it's not looking back at what was before with hope or desperation or clinging to what it was and who we used to be, because we can't go back no matter what we've been through, we've been altered and we can't go back to who we were before, but we use it as a point of reference. It really starts to help to be able to say, if this is where I started and this is who I was before what's different now? What no longer resonates? What are things that are still here, but are different? What are things that still feel aligned? I just can't seem to access. And so we look at the before to get a sense. We also look at ourselves and our personality and our subconscious programming and our values just to get a sense, a point of reference to move forward. And that helps us see where we are in comparison to what everything was like before, including us. And the third phase is navigating the special world. And this is like that deep underbelly of the journey where we deal with death and rebirth. And that happens in big ways and small ways. It's aspects of ourselves, our life, our relationships. There's often a lot more loss, even after the initial thing that thrusts us on this journey. And it's really hard for us to face because we're grieving and we're struggling and we're trying to reorient everything around us. And so death and rebirth is a really challenging aspect of the process. And so we do that with our emotions, with process work, with really dropping in and kind of mining around for not necessarily what are the lessons and the gifts yet, but like what is here for me to understand and work with. And then the fourth stage is choosing the path for your return. So once you've gone through that deeper work and you've shed what needs to be shed and you've really mined around and gleaned the insights and information and lessons and wisdom that might be there, you have to figure out what's next. And this for me, and I find for a lot of my clients is the hardest part because it's all about reorienting. Like you've been, you've been through the initial thing that thrust you on the journey that altered you. Then you go through death and rebirth, which alters you even more. And still we're inside of our life and our relationships and our work. And we have to figure out who we are now and who we're becoming and how to move towards what's next while dealing with the fact that everything around us is the same. So it's a lot of reorienting to ourselves, our life and our relationship, and it can be very confusing and hard. And the final phase is stepping into what comes next. And that's where we really take our double-edged sword as humans is that we have this ability to make meaning and we often use it in a way that isn't really advantageous to us. We create meaning and interpretation based on past experiences and we limit ourselves. And so this is all about really choosing what meaning we want to assign to the things that we've been through and how they've shaped us and what we're going to do with it. And for some of us, that's writing books and doing big work in the world and helping others heal. And for others, it's just what's different in my family life and my relationships and neither is better or more important. It's just, what is, what is that for you? And who are you here to be now? Yeah, I love that. And, you know, the thing is not everybody has to be something great and do something great to shift the world. Because in my personal opinion, when you work on yourself and when you do that healing work, you're changing the world just because you're making yourself yeah better. And I think that it shifts those around you too. I mean, that's what I always see. I find, I found it in my own journey and I find it with my clients too, that 
when you start doing the deep diving emotional work, people around you start to take notice, like, what are you doing? Like, what's different about you? And then they want to know, like, well, how can I get there too? So I think it doesn't take like a huge shift in you going out there and writing a book. It can simply be you choosing to be different tomorrow than you were today. Yeah, absolutely. And our purpose, like purpose is my purpose and I love talking about it. Our purpose is simply to show up and be who we're here to be and do whatever we feel called to do, contributing in the way that only we can. And mine is programs and coaching and speaking and books and others, it's parenting. And it might even just be art or creating a beautiful home for your family. And all of that really matters. Yeah, absolutely. Everything is so super important. Um, you never realize how much of a difference you make on others' lives until, you know, unfortunately, I was thinking about that. People will come forward if you, you know, it's your birthday and on Facebook, they'll say it's your birthday and people come forward and they're like, oh, happy birthday. And oh, you made such a difference. And on that day, everyone will tell you and you realize what you mean to other people. It's a shame that we don't get that every single day to realize the difference in the impact that you make on everyone. And I always tell people it can be extremely small. You might be the only person who smiles at this particular client that you see every day. And they may notice you for that reason and, and go and think, boy, I'm so happy that I get to go and work with this person because she smiles at me every day and it makes me feel good. And you don't even realize the impact that that makes on someone. Totally. And you bring up such an important point that I think is critical for anyone who's creating something or an entrepreneur, like anyone who's putting something out into the world, do it for the people that you don't think are listening. That had to become my mantra because for my audience in particular, they're lurkers. They are not loud and engaged. You wouldn't think I had a lot of people like reading my stuff, but I hear from them privately and I hear from them years later. And so it's like, you really, you have no idea who you're impacting. And it's easy for us this day and age with social media and the numbers and all these things to be like, well, I'm not making enough of a difference and no one cares. And it's like, there is somebody lurking <laughs> and consuming your work. And even just watching you lead by example that you're having an impact for, and just, just trust in that because we always have an impact on other people. And some of the most influential people in my life have been that influence simply by their energy, simply by how they show up and carry themselves through the world. Or like you said, that smile they gave me on just the right day, that care, that little extra bit of care. And it just, all of it really matters. Yeah, it's so important. And I think that we need to try to look past, as you said before, the likes and the, you know, the comments that people leave. Um, because that's really the ego part of us, which is natural. We have been programmed to look for those likes and to want the likes. Yeah. It's addictive to come back and look at it. But it's really not about that. It's about being authentic and putting yourself out there. Because what I've found is the more real and authentic you are and the more you're living your truth, the more people connect to that. Yeah. And it's, you know, I've been learning truth is something that has been such a lesson for me in this lifetime. When I had the dysphagia and I stopped swallowing, it was a physical manifestation of the fact that I had been swallowing my truth for so long, whether that was swallowing the abuse and not speaking about it or speaking up or just any time that I wasn't living true to myself. And I had to learn to be brutally honest and having been a people pleaser and a personality type and person with a subconscious strategy of like, in order to stay safe, I will be exactly what you want and need for me. It felt so jarring and even mean to be as honest as I started being. And now I am, people in my life would say I'm brutally honest, but I feel like I'm far more loving than I've ever been because the truth, the truth is so freeing and maybe it's painful and maybe it stings and maybe there's loss that comes with it, but it's so honoring of ourselves and other people to just speak and live our truth. Like every moment. I love that example that you gave because I just did a podcast episode yesterday or a couple of days ago about how, when we don't process our emotions and we don't speak our truth and stand fully in our power, it manifests as physical symptoms. So the fact that you developed this disorder where you couldn't swallow 
and that you realize that it had absolutely everything to do with not speaking your truth. I mean, that just is proof of that. And I will forever believe that a lot of our physical illnesses are tied to emotional problems, yes. and emotional basis. Absolutely. Anything that we don't feel fully and process out, it gets stored in the body. And I wrote about this in my book. I called it my honey badger phase. Have you seen the honey badger video? Yes. Oh my gosh. It's, it's so hilarious. I had to go through the stage where I couldn't give a hoot about anyone else's wants or needs. I, I physically couldn't do it. It was a matter of life or death because anytime I didn't honor my truth, anytime I stayed at a restaurant or an event or a dining room table for longer than I wanted to be there, anytime I didn't honor and speak my truth in the moment, my throat would close up again. And when you don't eat or drink and can't swallow your saliva for nine days, that is enough of a lesson <laughs> to be like, nope, I'm not even going to play I, with this. <laughs> yeah, I cannot even imagine that. And for those of you who don't know the honey badger video, go look it up. It's hilarious, but it's all talking about how honey badger don't care. And it's not giving a care basically, but go look it up. You'll get a good laugh, but that is so true. That's how you have to be. And it's hard because you talk about being a people pleaser. That's most of the people out there listening in my audience right now. We were all born and raised purebred people pleasers because we had to be, usually we were the ones in the middle trying to keep the peace. And that was our role. And we had these roles in our families, usually toxic families. And we, like you said, learned that we had to make others happy in order to stay safe where we were. Yeah. And the problem with that is you're the only one who's miserable because you're not able to speak your truth. And again, it manifests, it comes out in a lot of different ways. For me personally, I always experience pains of places like back pain and neck pain. And it was uh, the weight of carrying other people's burdens on my back and me not letting it go and speaking my truth and saying, I'm going to do what makes me happy, not what makes everyone else happy. Yeah. And it's so easy to feel like such a jerk because when you've been a people pleaser, you're swinging, you're probably not even swinging to the other side of the pendulum. You're probably somewhere in the healthy middle, if yeah. even there, but it feels so jarring. And so cruel. And I've really had to learn. It's the most loving thing you can do. And, and we matter too. Our truth matters too. And there's so much codependence and roles and all kinds of relationships that are like, well, I will behave in these ways so that you're comfortable and in exchange, like, and it's just, when you really start to see it, you start to see that this isn't love at all. And it doesn't mean that we don't love each other, but we're not being loving to each other and certainly not ourselves. Yeah. And it's not even healthy for the other person that you think you're helping because you're being so accommodating to, because really you're stunting their growth as well, because they have to learn to step on their own two feet and do things for themselves and not depend on someone else for their happiness, which is what is happening. It's like you're feeding this person everything you think they want so that they will be happy. But in reality, they have to learn to find that happiness from themselves. And so it, it just triggers the cycle of codependency and toxicity for both people. And neither one is really very happy, even if the other one says like, oh, no, but I was so happy with you. They're not. Comfortability yeah. is what it is because they're getting all of their needs met first. And who wouldn't love that? But it's also boring for them as well. So yeah. there's a lot of layers of things going on when you have that kind of relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my, I feel like so much of my work with clients, with family, with friends has become helping people understand who they are. Like what is your personality type? What is your core wounding? What is your greatest fear and all the strategies that you implement unconsciously to like win and survive in the world and how to just know yourself and love yourself for exactly who you are and then honor that. And it's because I didn't have that either. It took me a long time to really learn it for myself. It took a lot of mentors. It took a lot of learning and peeling away at layers and healing and processing. And it's just, it's missing. And I get really ranty and passionate about the idea of systems. Like we are all 
these beautifully unique individuals. And yes, there are certain buckets of personality types and core wounds and things that we might have in common. But even if you and I were the same personality type, you're a different version of it because you're a different you who's gone through a different life and different experiences and has different values and a cultural background. And, and we're all born into systems. This world is made up of systems. We're born into a family system that much of the culture and tradition of that family is actually rooted in trauma and unresolved grief and all these things that were never dealt with and coping mechanisms. And we have to play our role within that family and the family holds certain beliefs and they never account for, oh, well, you're this type of person and this wouldn't work for you. So let's figure out what does. And then we shove our kids into the education system, which is designed to make us all the same. And it's like, by the time we get out into the world, we have no idea who we are, let alone that it's okay if we're different, it's actually needed. Yeah, so much of this world is about unlearning everything that you learned as you were growing up. And what I, it just, I think what bugs me and bothers me about a lot of coaching, and I'm I'm not picking on anyone, but coaching or counseling or things like that is the one size fits all approach that like, well, this is what normally this is about. So we're going to do this with you and it'll work because it's worked with other people. And that's so frustrating because as you said, no two people are exactly the same. I have a twin and we're still, we're not anything alike. I mean, in some ways we are, but in a lot of ways we are so different and you cannot have a one size fits all approach and expect to find your deepest healing and learning because you're not going to get there. You're never going to get there if you do that. No, it's so true. I get, I get frustrated by that as well. And some of the smartest, most brilliant, most knowledgeable and experienced people hurt me the most in my healing because they had all this knowledge and expertise through their lens and their experience, it didn't account for who I was and what I was going through and what I needed. And it was so damaging. And so I'm very, I'm very passionate about everything in my work is process oriented. And if you work with anyone, it should be process oriented, which means they facilitate a process that you go through based on your needs. If they're taking you through a blueprint, if they're taking you through the one size fits all, like you said, it's not going to help you. And it's going to, it's probably going to damage you further in the process. And it's like, it has to be a container that takes you into consideration and it has to be a container and a person that teaches you how to trust yourself first, because maybe I'm super hypervigilant and intuitive and tuned in because of my trauma and my experience, and I can read you really well. But that doesn't mean that I know everything, even the most intuitive people, even people who know you best can't always know what's right for you. You are the only person that can discern that. And that's why everything in our work is built on like, who are you? Like, what is your relationship to your body and your intuition and self-awareness, but also building that trust muscle in yourself, because it doesn't matter if I've been through the same thing and I'm super intuitive and I have all the experience you're still the only person that knows what's right for you. Yeah, and you're teaching them and equipping them to go out and do this on their own. So you're not gonna be in their pocket forever and able to walk around with them. So they have to learn how to listen and hear their intuition and trust it, absolutely. And I find that that is probably one of the biggest issues that a lot of people have is they either number one, think they don't have intuition They don't hear it ever, even though everyone else gets signs all the time. They never hear it. They never get signs. They don't know why the universe doesn't talk to them. Why are they ignored? Or this is probably the most common. And I find it, I'm not laughing at people, but I find it funny because, you know, some people will come to me and say, well, I asked for the sign and I got like five signs, but then I don't really know that that's really what they were trying to say. And I don't, this is like, okay, well, you asked for a specific thing, you got a specific thing. And then you said, nope, that's not the right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you don't, you can have great intuition, but if you don't trust it, it's not useful because you're going to do the opposite of what your intuition is telling you to do because you're going to second guess yourself. Absolutely. And intuition lives in the body, not the mind. And that's where it gets tricky because 
it's easy to start to learn your yeses, right? Like they're expansive and they're energizing and your body feels open and it's different for all of us. And no's are more contractive and resistant and tension, but it's with a no, it's like, you have to go to the root of it. Did I feel this response when whatever was presented to me came up? Or did I think a thought first (laughs) that was based in fear and doubt and worry and whatever is practical that made me feel this? It's like, it's, it takes a lot of awareness of your body and how your body says yes and no. It does. And you have to trust what comes right away because what I find is what your immediate response is, is your intuition and anything after that tends to be your ego. Yeah, absolutely. And It's really important, I think, too, with intuition is we think, oh, I'll get the sign and I'll listen and I'll lean in and everything will go magically. And it's like sometimes and sometimes your intuition leads you right into something that is meant to cause struggle and suffering and just the ways you need to be shaped into the person to have what you want. Like it's not always smooth sailing just because we hear it and we trust it. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that, um, I was talking about this with my daughter the other day and she sort of gave me a look like, are you crazy? But I told her, I said, I think that we choose, I've never said this on my podcast before. I think that we choose when we come here, we choose the experiences we want to have good and bad because we're learning from them and we're growing. And I've had, you know, I've had podcast listeners say this to me and she kind of gave me a look last night of like, why would we do that? (laughs) Why would we choose to go through all of these horrible things? And I liken it to when you pick out your classes for college and you're so excited and you pick out all of these like, oh, philosophy, this is going to be such a great class. And you get in there and you're like, oh my gosh, why did I pick this class? Either it's so difficult or it's boring or it's this or it's that. And we overload ourselves and get overwhelmed. Well, I think that's kind of similar to what happens. We pick things that we know are going to teach us the most and we're going to grow the fastest. But when we get here, we don't realize how difficult it was going to be. You know, I think we, we forget that. Yeah. <laughs> it does help us grow so fast. I would add to my own personal take, which is not to say I'm right and you're wrong, because what do we know? We're still in the human realm. <laughs> I I feel like there's a lot that happens that is divinely inspired or agreed upon or decided upon. And this is a human realm and there's a lot of chaos to this realm. And so my whole thing has always been, you know, especially with the suicide loss, like on one hand, people are like, you guys agreed to this before you came into this life. And other people are just like, life is hard. And that's all that happened. And my whole thing is, I don't know. And quite frankly, I don't care. I care what meaning I'm going to make from this and how it's shaped me because there is a lot of power in the belief that yes, this was a divinely agreed thing and this was supposed to happen. Like if that works for you, great. But for the people that are really struggling, what helped me was just like, what is the meaning I'm going to make from this now? Because that's all we can really do. And that's all we know. And I think, I don't think we're too far off with what's going on in this life on the divine side, but we don't know. And all that matters is like, what are we going to make of this? And how are we going to choose to let it shape us? And what do we do with it going forward? Yeah. I like that. Looking at it like that, because that's really what it's all about is, you know, you have a choice every single day. You can choose to allow your circumstances to continue to dictate what happens in your life, or you can decide that you're not a victim and that you have the opportunity to change how things are going in your life. And we can't always control or change what happens to us. I mean, there's so much unpredictability. I mean, obviously if we were all psychic and knew everything that happened in our lives, I mean, first of all, it would be boring because there would be no surprises (laughs) in good and bad ways. But I think that when we have the opportunity and we're presented with these things that happen to us, it's an opportunity to look at it and say, okay, I couldn't control what happened to me. And what happened to me was really crappy and I don't like it, but how can I take what has happened 
and use it to make something better out of my life. And so for you, you developed this whole program, you wrote a book, the same thing I did. I wrote a book, I created, you know, this podcast, I created some other things, uh, courses and things to help people get on their journey in the same much. We have very similar stories in that way. And that we did that for other people. So I think that instead of looking at things as woe is me, this happened to me, and we get that, that is so easy to just go to that place. And you have every right to feel everything you're feeling. But staying there isn't really doing anything helpful for you. And you're just miserable all the time. And we're trying to tell you that there is a better way and that there are better things out there, but you have to work through the pain in order to get to it. And so that's what you're doing and helping people go through this process, which I think is amazing. Yeah, thank you. And you're so right. I mean, the raw emotion is important and we feel it and we process it out by feeling or raging or whatever we need to do to productively get it out it's the story where we go wrong, like the story that we spin in and the interpretations and how we keep ourselves looped into it and we fuel it versus just feel how you feel, get it out of your system, but notice the story. And it's so easy to go into the story, especially we all have a core wound. So we're going to find a way to reinforce that worldview that says I'm not enough or I'm damaged and broken and see everything goes wrong all the time or whatever it is. And that's not helping you feel your feelings. Don't spiritually bypass. Don't plaster over it with polished positivity. Feel your feelings, just the raw emotion. It's just energy and motion that needs to move. And then set the story aside and choose the story that you're going to tell about it. You know, the meaning that you want to make. Yeah, that's definitely some good points there. And now tell us a little bit more about your book, Unraveled. So in this, you talk about your own journey. So you talk about everything that happened that led up to you having the, the I like to call it the dark night of the soul, but you can call it whatever you want, through <laughs> whatever you decided that you were not in the right career, not in the right relationship, all of those things. I, yes, I wrote about, it starts just before his passing and I write about the loss and everything that followed. And I really tried to share my story as honestly and openly as I could. And people have told me the book is, is a quick read, but it's also pretty raw and intense. And I wanted it to be because I don't think people understand that sometimes it gets worse before it gets better and that that's okay. And that however we heal and whatever time frame it takes to heal and whatever we need to do to heal is perfect for us. And nobody can, nobody can tell us how to do that. And so I also really wanted to highlight what it feels like, because I don't think there's enough conversation about how it feels to go through these really challenging chapters, how it feels to reorient after them and, rebuild yourself and step into what's next. And so it's my journey. When I first started writing and I thought it was going to be a little bit of my story woven in with a journey mapping process, but it ended up just being pure memoir and just some of those pivotal experiences and points. I didn't put everything in it, like the abusive relationship that I ended up in. That's going to be in my next book, which I'm terrified to write because it's all about relationship trauma and rebuilding yourself and self-worth and That'll be a hard one, but I just, I wanted to share my story in a way that said, you're not crazy. You're not alone. You're right, right where you're supposed to be. Sometimes it gets worse before it gets better and no one gets to judge your journey. I mean, there were things I was afraid to share, like the way that I got rid of my, all my ex's things after he passed was like very dramatic because I was in the abusive relationship and he like wanted to blow things up and excuse me. And so it was like, I was very conscious of the fact that, you know, the, the ex-boyfriend that had passed, his mom followed my work and she wanted to read the book. And there were things I wrote that I knew would make my mom feel sad or people in my life judge me, but I was like, I'm not writing it for them. I'm writing it for anyone who's in that messy middle where you're doing things that don't feel like you, that maybe aren't you, but maybe they are you now and you're doing what you need to do. And that's all we can do. 
Yeah, I think that is so necessary that you wrote that. And I think that you should definitely write about your abusive relationship too, because it is hard to do, but there are so many people who need to hear that. And when I was writing my own book, I, I sugarcoated a lot of things that happened to me with my ex and I didn't, I didn't get very detail oriented with that because to me, I was like, that's not what it's about. And my mentor said, you need to say everything because there could be somebody out there going through exactly what you're going through. And after the book came out, my ex also committed suicide. And so I, at that time was glad that I hadn't written any more than I had, but also there's still a part of me that thinks maybe I should have because I've had people reach out and in just what I've written have said, this is very similar to what I went through. I totally understood what you were talking about because I had to go through the exact same things. And so I think it's important, not that I'm now telling you, you need to do this, but <laughs> I think it's important for you to be honest and open about that because you never know who you're touching when you write those words, because you, there are people out there who will say, that's exactly what happened to me. And I thought I was completely alone in that. Yeah. And, and you touch on something important. You know, I had several editors read this book unravel. And if you can read between the lines, you know, what happened. I, I touch on what happened with him enough that people are like, okay. <laughs> um, and I even had people who knew both of us reach out to me and say, I'm so sorry you went through that, but I didn't say all of what happened. I said enough. And one of my editors was like, is this what I think it is? And if so, you need to name it. And I said, no, I'm not ready. And I'm, that is a much bigger conversation than I can tell in this particular book. And something for me and for anyone in your audience that is a writer or an entrepreneur or someone sharing themselves, you have to be able to do it cleanly. And I got to the point where I wrote Unravel and I could tell that story cleanly, meaning I wasn't still hashing it out and I wasn't still angry or whatever, you know, might've gotten in there to distort the message. And I wasn't ready. I couldn't, I couldn't even call it what it was yet, what happened with this particular S. Um, X, the, the sexual trauma. And for the next book, I'll be ready because I've done a lot of healing work and it will fit in the story of that book. And so it's like, yes, I totally agree. Tell your truth, share it because it helps people that you can't even imagine it will help. And you can't do that till you're ready. And you can't do that well until you can do it cleanly. Yeah. I, I think part of the the process as you're writing, if you can write it and you no longer feel the anger, the all of the feelings that it brings up, you know that you're healing and that you're coming from a good place, but you're right. When you write it and you're still in the emotions and it's still raw, it's gonna come off more like a scathing criticism of the other person instead of what you're trying to do, which is to point out that you can heal from what you're going through and telling it yeah. is that you're not alone kind of a story. Yeah, I do that with my social media. I, I write and I started doing this after my ex's passing. I started writing in real time, but I've, I've always practiced like, who, am I writing to someone right now? Am I, am I mad at someone? Am I, you know, or is this clean? Is this about the message and the experience? And just having that check, I think is really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so helpful to others that you can be vulnerable and share your story. So it's a very brave thing to do. Not everyone is able to do that and that's okay because it is very, very much a courageous thing to have to put your story out there because people do judge, they will judge you yep. and you have to have the honey badger attitude of, well, that's fine. It's fine if they read my book and they judge me or they don't like me, not everyone's going to like you. Um, just your energy is going to irritate some people and that's okay. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with that person, but we have to get to the point where you can share and be who you are and be authentic and not, not care who's going to criticize, who's going to judge because it, it doesn't matter what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you experienced it too. It was like taking slivers of my soul yeah. and putting them on the page and pushing it out to the world for people to do with it, what they're going to. And they, 
they do things like not like your voice or how you wrote or the binding of the book. And it's just like, this is my heart and soul. (laughs) And I, I did a lot of work before my book came out around being really grounded in, I can only write the way I can write. I can only tell the story the way I tell it. It's not for everyone. And so for the handful of people that didn't like it and pushed back on things, it was just like, then it's not for you, you know, go read someone else's book. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we kind of need to get to a point too in this society where we don't like something and we don't have to leave 50 negative reviews. We just move on. Because I really feel like there's a lot of entitlement going on where people feel like they have to leave. You know, if you don't enjoy something, it doesn't mean it was a bad thing. It means it was something you didn't enjoy. But yet people leave the negative review or something And what I don't think a lot of people understand is that affects how how much your stuff is being put out in front of people because they're like, oh, if it gets this negative reviewer and put something else out that got higher in front of it, and that's just the way it works. It's business, it's algorithms, it's all of that. But I find it interesting because if I turn on a podcast and I don't like it, I turn it off and go to something else. I don't go to the review section like, well, this person is unprofessional. <laughs> like, okay, it just wasn't for me. No big deal. But I'm, I, I've i noticed it not just my with my own things, but like just even in looking at other things, I'll happen to just scroll down to see like how many episodes somebody made or something. And then I see the reviews and I'll see things people left. And I think, oh my gosh, like, why would you like for a review like that? Like, it's okay to yeah. not jive with somebody, be comfortable with someone, not feel their energy. It's fine. Just move on to the next person, the next thing. Yeah. You'll find that there's vibes with you, you know, other people at the end of these things, like pouring their heart and soul into it and being vulnerable. And there are times for negative reviews that are helpful for other people. And I even have one review on my book. I think it was a three star or four. I don't remember. And she said something like she, she listed all the things she liked about it. And she was like, the reason I'm writing this low is for me. I didn't like that. Every time I got into a hard situation, she felt like there was always someone to come to the rescue. And so for me coming from a place that I didn't have any support, like it didn't resonate. And I was like, I don't mind a review like that. Like where you talk about the good and you talk about why it didn't resonate, but there are a lot of people, the one-star review I have in my book is like, she got a bad copy from the fulfillment center one star, the book fell apart. And I'm like, well, I would be happy to send you another one so you can read it. <laughs> like I, people will leave one star and not say anything. And I'm like you, if, if you're going to leave a review like that, leave me feedback. So I know how to make something better. I mean, obviously if it's a book, you can't fix the book, but for next time you would know like what people resonate with, what they don't. But the point of all of this was that you're not going to resonate with everyone. Mm-hmm. And so be like the honey badger, just be authentically you and don't care what other people think about you or say about you, because in the end, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. You're speaking your truth. You're going to, you'll find your purpose when you live authentically. It always happens that yeah. way. So. And we're meant to do that. That's why we're here to be yes. us. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today. This has been such a really entertaining and fun conversation and uh, we even got Nala in the background there. We got excited too. So <laughs> I want to thank you uh, for sharing with us. And if people want to get your book or they want to work with you, how is, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, you can find me at stephaniezamora.com. I spell my name S-T-E-P-H-E-N-I-E Zamora. And the unravelbook.com is where the book is. But stephaniezamora.com will just give you everything you could ever want and shoot you off in any direction. Awesome. And I will put a link to her website in the show notes too. So if you guys are driving, you don't have to worry about writing any of this down. You can just go to it later and click on it. It'll take you directly there. So if you had any particular words of wisdom for someone who's listening at home, who is in that place where they just feel like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through tomorrow. Is this all there is? There has to be more to life than just the way I'm living. What would you tell someone who is feeling that way today? Trust that voice 
it's easy to dismiss it. And especially with the messaging out there, that's like, you should be grateful for what you have. Other people have it worse. Like, yes, gratitude is such an incredible tool. It's the fastest way to raise our vibration and attract what we want. And listen to the part of you that is saying, is this all there is? Is this really what my life looks like? Is this really the best I can have? Am I really going to be this miserable forever? Like that is a part of you that is screaming and saying, I want something more different or better. And it doesn't have to make sense. You don't have to see the whole path, like start leaning into the whims, start listening to, okay, well, if, if this is all it is and I'm not happy, what else could I try? What do I feel called to do? And it doesn't mean the thing you feel called to do is like your purpose. You know, if you're a lawyer and you're miserable and you suddenly feel compelled to paint, it doesn't necessarily mean you're here to be a painter, maybe, but going to a painting class is going to lead you to something else and help you kind of peel away at this shell of who you think you need to be and who you've always been. And it's just trust that voice. That voice isn't trying to you know, mess with your life for no good reason. It's not that you're ungrateful and greedy. It's just, there's your soul saying, hello, could we maybe try something else? Let's please <laughs> listen to it. Yeah. I love that. And it's so true too, because you will definitely, your soul will feel like it's screaming if you're not on the path that you're supposed to be on and you know it, you know, when you hear your truth, you know, when you feel your truth or see your truth it's just a soul recognition. Uh, and in the same way, you know, when you're not on your truth, uh, when you don't hear your truth, when you don't see your truth, it feels uncomfortable. So I love that. Definitely take that advice. Definitely go and check out her book, Unravel. Thank you so much again for being here with us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this work and holding space for these conversations. Absolutely. And thank you guys for being here with us today and for listening today. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. As always, if you like it, please subscribe. Please leave a positive review from wherever you're listening. The biggest compliment you can pay me is to share this podcast with those you think might also enjoy it. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I go live Mondays at 630 Central on Facebook, where I do a free card reading. If you show up for the live, I'll pull a card especially for you. And also, if you want to work with me, you can go to melissaoatman.com. There you'll see the services I offer. You can purchase from my website. Just contact me to schedule your session. I hope that you guys have a beautiful day from wherever you're listening. As always, I am sending you so much love and light, and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys.